Good morning. I'm sure there will be a number of football sermons preached today. Mine will not be one. I was never very good at that kind of thing. We had friends at one time that were part of our small group, meeting each week, growing in familiarity and connection. But we noticed after a while, the husband just, he didn't look well. His color was off. Just things weren't right. Over the coming days, he learned that he had cancer, a very aggressive kind of cancer. And we, of course, began to pray with them, along with the whole church, especially praying for his healing, his physical healing. I prayed with him in the hospital following his cancer surgery. A group of us went to their home, uh, offering prayers for peace and wholeness. We went room by room throughout their house. He put up a valiant fight, but in the end, he lost his battle. He was still a relatively young man. After some time, I visited with his widow, and we talked about how she was doing. We talked about the healing that we had sought for him, and my sorrow that it had not come. <clears throat> she said, oh, we, we did experience healing. God completely healed our marriage through that time and the prayers that were offered. She explained that their relationship had been a source of great struggle for many years and that that was the real healing that was needed between them. I may have shared that experience before in a sermon because I think it's important for us to know whenever we talk about God's healing in our lives, we come, we have to come with a sense of humility and openness. We don't see things clearly. And when we ask God to do a work and trust that He will, then we have to take our preconceived notions of what that will be and, and sort of move them to the side. Approaching the ministry of healing requires a willingness to walk with mystery and with ambiguity. The disciples found this to be true, right? Being with Jesus was an amazing and life-changing experience, but, but it was often difficult and different, and he could be frustrating. Early in Mark's gospel, I mean chapter 1, Mark doesn't, uh, if you notice, he doesn't really waste words. I mean, he's sort of right into it. Well, he's shown, Jesus is shown to have authority over evil and over the brokenness of the world, including sickness and disease. In this season following Epiphany, we see Jesus revealed through the actions of healing. And we're able to see him manifest in our lives through the wholeness that relationship with him brings. God is interested in our whole person. And healing relates to the totality of who we are. Certainly our body, and that's kind of, I think when we hear the word healing, that's what we think. We we think about physical health. But even more keenly, our spirit our relationship with him and with each other. When the scriptures refer to healing, they call for a wholeness that touches on our spiritual state, our mental and emotional reality, and also our bodies. Thinking of healing in this way will help us as we seek wholeness and when we pray for it in others. I think it's important when we have a passage like this in Mark that's about Jesus' healing, that as a church that has healing as one of its four pillars, we need to take a look. So I'd like to reflect some on this passage in Mark, but also offer some thoughts on healing in general, kind of a topical approach a little bit, uh, because we're, need, we're in need of healing in so many ways. Certainly I am. Right now we're hearing every day in the news about a vaccine, 
aren't we? Who's making it? Is it effective? Where and when can we get it? But beyond the vaccine, our world, ourselves, we're in need of restoration in ways we don't even yet understand after coming through this last year. Our bodies may find protection going forward, but what about the relationships that have been neglected? Souls wounded by the last year, especially addictions, run wild. Our own calling to heal in Jesus' name, the the breakdown of relationships between people and groups of people. There's so much ahead that will need the Lord's healing and his healers. So I just have a kind of a, a list of some things that I'd like to walk us through today. They're just kind of bullet points with a little insight, and it's not everything that can be said about healing, of course, but I hope it'll open our, our minds a little bit to, to God's healing power, but also how we're called to be healers in the world. First, we just start at the place where we can trust the authority and power of Jesus as healer and also his desire for our good. We can trust his authority. We can trust his desire for our good. In teaching in the synagogue a little earlier in Mark 1, Jesus confronts the man with the unclean spirit, remember, and he releases him from its dominion. Now, this is a display over the powers of evil. And we get focused on the on that. I think we get focused on the spirit of uncleanness. We get spoke, focused on the fact that, oh, this is actually in the synagogue. How could that be? But sometimes we forget the man. The man who's been freed, who's been set free. I mean, this is a gift to him who had been held captive. When Jesus comes to Peter's house and he learns of the sickness of his mother-in-law, he simply takes her by the hand and she is healed. She has a fever. A fever in that time as we're starting to learn again, could be a life-threatening event for everyone in the house. This was a serious situation. But Jesus provides a gentle action, doesn't he? An invitation. And in doing so, he restores her to her place in the household. Sometimes people say, oh, Jesus just did that so he could be served. No, he's restoring her. He restores her to that place that she longed to be in. He gives her her dignity. You see, those who hold true authority don't need to put on a show or make a scene or draw attention to themselves. They hold it by virtue of who they are and by their character. I don't know if you've ever had a chance to be with people who are like in charge. And um, it doesn't always happen this way, but sometimes the person who's really in charge is the one who's quiet, just watching. Because they have authority. They have the real authority. They don't have to clamor for it. As creator and sustainer, the Lord Christ desires wholeness in each of us and also in our community and communities. The ministry of healing is one of restoring what was lost and calling us to be who we are made to be in him. Malachi says that for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings and you will go free, leaping with joy like calves let out to pasture. Jesus comes as the king who is a healer. J.R.R. Tolkien didn't invent that. He got to hear. The Lord desires our wholeness, and he is able to bring it about. Secondly, Jesus heals in many different ways. I mean, here he takes the woman by the hand. In other places in the Gospels, he speaks a specific word of healing. He puts mud on the eyes. Sometimes he doesn't. He heals from a distance. He gives instruction to someone, or maybe someone just touches him. 
There's not one prescribed method that relates to the way Jesus heals. In our time, there are a variety of schools of healing, approaches that have been established. And if you go attend their events, you'll be allowed on a certain pathway and approach. Do this, you'll get this. Now, sometimes that can be a helpful thing. But the Lord brings his wholeness to us as he wills and in the ways that he desires for our good. Remember what I said about mystery. You know, I had a personal experience of healing in my own life uh, where I'd been sick for a long time. It was actually in the months before my ordination. And I just couldn't eat. I was sick all the time. I had... I was losing all kinds of weight. I'd been to doctors. I'd undergone tests. I'd sought out healing at events where people who were known healers. I mean, in Colorado Springs, we have plenty of those. But I remained quite ill. One day at the church office, one of the church wardens came in to see me. Very down-to-earth guy, just a working guy. You know, he wasn't highly educated, uh, didn't put on airs, just a normal person. And he asked if he could pray for me. Now, so many people would pray for me. I was like, sure, you know, that's great. Thought, why not? I don't remember his prayer. I just remember something very simple. Something like, dear God, this is your child, you love him. Heal him. And then he touched me. And his hand felt like a furnace. And He looked at me, he laughed, and he left. (laughs) I believe that was the beginning of my recovery. Now, it hasn't always been like that. But in that moment, the Lord knew that that's what I needed to move forward. And it wasn't what I expected or how I expected to get it. But it was vital for me in that season. Thirdly, the Lord's healing is not limited to time or place or persons. We know Jesus healed on the Sabbath, right? That's one of the things that was continually getting him into trouble. He healed in the temple courts, but he also heals here at Simon Peter's house. He heals on the road. And the people who come to him for healing, they come after sundown. They wait till the Sabbath is over. See, the method of healing varies. And the Lord's healing is not limited by circumstance or time or place We can know the Lord's wholeness in any situation where it's needed. And we can offer it to others wherever we are. Next, our healing is not a personal matter. I mean by that, our wholeness is certainly for our joy and fulfillment, but it's also for God's glory, and it's to serve others. Healing, and I mean wholeness, always releases us into a broader sphere of service if we're willing to step into it. It expands our world. Whether that's a medical situation or emotional or spiritual, wholeness is a restoration that's naturally outward in its orientation. When Jesus heals, there's often praise and glory to God. There's also service. Peter's mother-in-law gets up and she serves Jesus. We often see this in hospital settings where those who have faced disease and they've known some healing become leaders of support groups. That's just a natural outgrowth of their experience. In the church, those of us who have walked in, learning to walk in wholeness and healing in the Lord and in the Holy Spirit, we can come alongside those who are struggling. 
because we have something important to share. When we know the Lord's wholeness, we have a freedom, like young calves in the pasture, as Malachi put it. We can love God and others. Our salvation is this freedom, our freedom to love and to care and to serve with joy. Next point, and I'm not numbering all these because I forgot how many there are. Truth is helpful to healing. Truth is helpful to healing. We see in the Gospels people who come to Jesus for healing, and he'll often ask, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want? And we look at it and say, that's kind of obvious. I mean, that person's disabled. If a disabled person comes and says, would you pray for me? Often we just assume, okay, this is what the need is. But the question is important because what is the real desire? What is really going on? A doctor will seek out the proper diagnosis before administering treatment. That's absolutely essential. Many of us have had the experience of going of ongoing difficulty in our lives because of an improper diagnosis. We usually need to know our need in order to experience the joy of being made whole. Not always, but usually we do. Jonathan Edwards related this to our sinful condition. He said the old original wounds must first be probed in their depth before there can be healing. The scripture compares sin with the wound of the soul and says that an attempt to heal this wound without examining it first is vain and deceitful. The gospel must be revealed as bad news before it can be good news, meaning it points out our need. Other areas of our life where we need wholeness are like that as well. That's also true between people. right? We need to know what's broken down. We need to know what the issues are. We need to know where things have been uh, thwarted. We need to know where there's been sin and brokenness, where there's been injustice. Wherever we experience need and brokenness, either within ourselves or in relationship to others, knowing the truth of it is important to its healing. And you know, usually that's the step we want to avoid. Doctor, just give me a pill. Just don't make me go through all that testing and all that stuff. And you know what? We need to, we need to step into it, but also be reminded that it's just a step. It's not a place to linger, but it is necessary. Next point. There can be work for us in healing. There can be work for us to do in our healing. Healing is a process. It's something that we walk in. It's a pathway to follow. And often there are things we must do to participate in the wholeness we desire. And we see this in, in healings of Jesus, right? What does he say to the man who comes with him with, with a hand? He goes, stretch out your hand. To another, he says, stand up and walk. I mean, these are the very things that they can't do. And yet he calls those things out of us, and we respond. We find the ability to do them but it can be work. Mental health counselors give their clients work to do. Doctors may make prescriptions of things other than just pills, hopefully. Relational healing requires humble partnership, but it is work, and it can often feel like work. At one point, uh, as she was working out problems in her life, Brene Brown went back to church. Maybe you know Brene and her work. She said this, she said, I definitely went back for all the wrong reasons. I really went because this is hard and it hurts. And in all the midlife unraveling books, they say, go back to church. That's what everybody else does. 
So I went back to church thinking that it would be like an epidural, like it would take the pain away, like I would just replace research with church, you know. The church would make the pain go away. And then I discovered that faith in church was not like an epidural at all. It was like a midwife who just stood next to me and said, push, it's supposed to hurt. I know, guys, you can't really, we can't really get into all of that, but just try to imagine, right? And sometimes our healing is like that. We have work to do alongside the provision that the Lord gives. Also, let's, let's rejoice in the fact that healing is the power of the Spirit of God in and through us. Jesus goes off alone to pray, doesn't he? He knows that his mission is to preach and to heal and to deliver. And that is draining, even for the Son of God. Everything flowing out of him. Even for the one with healing in his wings. It's the provision and flow of the Spirit through his life that enables that work to continue. How much more for us? The healing journey is dependent on prayer and the vitality of the Holy Spirit. Not on information, method, and technique, although they may have a role. We cannot know the healing of God apart from the power of God. It's ultimately God's role and work. And that should be an encouragement to us. It's not up to us. You may have heard of the East Africa Revival. It broke out in 1935 in the Great Lakes region of East Africa. We won't get into arguments about whether it was Uganda or Rwanda or whatever, but it was there, and there was an outpouring of the Spirit in tremendous ways. And you know, it continues to shape the church to this very day. Professor Apollo Nsimbambi recalls that the revival healed the ethnic divisions among the Christians. Many did not accept each other as brothers and sisters because of their different ethnic identities. And many ignored the oppression that had been carried out upon other groups. Well, the professor relates that the revival repented of this and enabled there to be a new sense of unity in which the new relationships were greatly treasured. We are dependent on the Holy Spirit for healing in our lives, for healing among us, for healing between peoples. We need a revival of the Holy Spirit to help us address these things. Without it, we can only remain where we are. Also, let us remember that healing is a journey. The disciples were surprised that Jesus had gone off to pray, right? I mean, he sort of just did this from time to time. He would disappear. And they were surprised also that he wanted them to move on. I mean, they could stay in Capernaum and be famous, right? I mean, things had gone well. Jesus had healed many. This newfound celebrity would be great for the cause. But the Lord had other plans. Jesus still surprises and sometimes confuses us. Healing doesn't come in the way we want. Or it doesn't come at all, at least that we can tell. What do we do then? Thomas Smale offers this insight. He says, when the prayer made in faith is not answered and the healing for which many have sought does not come, we're not to look for someone to accuse of failure. Rather, we are to remember that besides faith, there is hope. Hope has to do with God's promises that are still future and hidden, just as faith has to do with God's promises that are here and now. 
to the person who has believed for today but has not seen the answer come today, there comes the call to hope. Hope says tomorrow also is God's. Enough has happened already to assure you that the rest is on the way. What's our scripture say this morning? Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. And my final words this morning on this, let us remember that we are healers too. We don't need to wait until we are finally whole because for, for many of us, and most of us, that wholeness won't come until the resurrection. I mean, that's the, that's the true healing that we await, isn't it? We can share the Lord's healing with others. What we have experienced, we can pass along. This is the whole idea between, behind Henri Nouwen's uh, concept of the wounded healer. And I would encourage you to read that little book if you haven't. If you have any interest in the ministry of healing at all, look at that book. We are wounded. We are being healed. And we can offer that healing to others. One time I was traveling and someone was watching me. <laughs> you know how that is? It's kind of like you know somebody's watching you. It's a little odd, and they came over and they said, I'm watching you, and I said, oh, okay, yeah. They said, I have a question. They said, are you a healer? I said, you know, I don't know about that, but I know someone who is. And we had a really good conversation after that. See, this is what we can give to the world. This is, this is what it is for us to be in this community, to be in this region, to be in this place as COVID continues, but as we come out of that too, that all of the healing that's going to be needed, the Lord will bless us for that work. I really believe that. Place His Spirit in us and also His wholeness for the sake of the world.